my life. It's in my DNA. From above the water and below the surface. It's who I am. G'day and welcome to Al McGlashan's podcast, the best job in the world. Tell you what, it is the best job in the world, but I've been working hard. I've been getting all these podcasts out. We've done Marlin Fishing, Humble Beginnings, and of course, the interview with the lovely Mary O'Neill. Now, do you know what? Our top rating one so far has been from Kings to Deer, which is when I went down Victoria, we caught those kingies, and then we headed up bush with old Jim, old mate Jim, who, would you believe, it's got 261 followers, and sadly, since that podcast went to air, it has actually dropped. So, Jim, I'm not here for your marketing. But it did well, do well. And the best part is it showed that mix of going offshore, catching kingies in Victoria, then going to out into the bush and knocking over a couple of deer, harvesting them to feed the family. And guess what? I got venison for dinner tonight from that very trip. But what I did get was a lot of questions. A lot of people came to us, or, you know, through social media, through Instagram, through Facebook, saying, I want to learn more. How do I catch kings? Tell me a bit more about it. So, guess what? This podcast is dedicated to catching kingies. Now, when we talk kingies, I've got to get the first thing. This is the number one thing to do. We need to clarify kingies. Yellowtail kingfish in Australia and New Zealand are the same yellowtail you catch in California and Mexico and in Japan. In Australia, we call them kingies. In New Zealand, we call them kingies. Everywhere else in the world, we call them yellowtail. So it's kind of a little bit confusing, which has made more confusing because a kingfish in America on the Atlantic side is a mackerel, and they call them king mackerel. Now, a mackerel, or our equivalent, I suppose you could say, in Australia, is a Spanish mackerel, which ironically is a small type of mackerel over in the, I'm going to call it the... Eastern Pacific, I'm not sure 100% some of my call in or might just send in a text or a you know, message on that that I'm wrong, but they're only little mackerel. So our Spanish mackerel is kind of like America's kingfish, but a kingfish in Australia is a yellowtail, which is a yellowtail in California. God, I hope you got that right because I don't know if I can repeat it. But for the purpose of this podcast, we are going to call them kingies. So don't Send in messages complaining and because in different places, you call them different fish. We're in Australia, we're Aussies, so we're calling them kingfish. So where do we find kingies? Well, they love temperate waters and they're right across from, you know, Southern California through to Mexico, they're in Japan and even South Africa. But the true stronghold of the big boys is Australia and New Zealand especially southeastern Australia. There are a few down in Western Australia, sort of, you know, that Perth region down around the corner there, but they're sporadic. There's not really a lot of them and you've got to work for them. Over there, it's Samson fish that rules supreme. So southeast Australia is a hot spot and they grow to, well, estimate around 60 kilos and the record is 52 kilos caught in New Zealand, which would you believe is held by two separate people. Two fish weighing the exact same weight. Tell you what, that's impressive. You don't often get that. So in the IGFA records, 52 kilos, which is 100 and... 
I don't know, 110, 115, somewhere that pounds. That's a serious kingy. Sadly, these days, in Australian waters, a fish over 10 kilos, like New South Wales, a 10 kilo fish, so a metre long fish, is a big one. Down in Victoria, they've been getting some better ones. In South Australia, they get some much better fish up into the 30 and even 40 kilo range. But sadly, the numbers have dropped in recent years. We've been killing a few that we really got to look after. And, you know, in all my podcasts, I'll keep coming back to it. We've got to look after these fish. And kingies are one that we really need to do. Because when I was a young fella living in Melbourne, one of the reasons for coming to Sydney, apart from male and all the big fish, was to catch a kingy. I just wanted to catch a kingy. These awesome coastal fish that you can catch off the rocks, you can catch in the harbour. Do you know what? When I'm in the harbour, you can catch them in Sydney Harbour. And I'm not just talking anywhere. I'm talking in front of the Sydney Harbour Bridge, in front of the Opera House and upstream now. How good is that? Australia's biggest city and you can catch them right in there, right on our doorstep. If we looked after them better, imagine how good the fishing would be. But when I came to Sydney, I just wanted to catch kingies. The problem was we'd just come off the back of the floating fish traps. Now, floating fish traps are just the worst thing ever invented. So what it is, basically a trap with mirrors in it that the kingfish, which are naturally inquisitive, swim into, get trapped and get annihilated. The problem is that it worked on such a scale that annihilated the younger population of kings. Absolutely decimated them. So kingfish in New South Wales, went from being a pest to being obliterated, literally obliterated. So when I moved to Sydney, catching a king was almost a rarity. So, yeah, it took a few years. And this is what really frustrates me. So here we are with a fishery that's going down the gurgler, New South Wales fisheries. No, we don't care. We don't do it. It's our job, but we don't have to do it. We're only worried about um, just protect their own asses or something like that. I don't know what they do in that in there sometimes and ignoring the problem. The commercial fishers, some were actually complaining about it whilst this little group that were doing it just quite happily went on with it. The greenies. What the hell were they doing? Well, we don't care. We only want to ban fishing, but we don't care about it. They sat on their butts and did nothing. So who did it? Who stopped these dreadful traps? Recreational anglers again. You know what? I get sick of praising recreational anglers because we're the only ones, and I mean the only ones, that ever get off our butts and sort things. you got a bunch of greenies trying to lock places up, and yet here we are with a major issue. What do they do? Nothing. They don't care. They just sat on their butts and did nothing. Yeah, whatever. We don't care. Incredibly frustrating for me, incredibly frustrating, which is made worse because those same dumbass greenies went and imposed marine parks. And guess what? They locked up a whole bunch of the best kingy spots. You've got seal rocks, some of the biggest kings in the country. I used to catch 30 kilo kings there and let them go. Can I do it now? No, I can't even go there. In fact, I heard they were putting, get this, they were putting cameras in there, fisheries were putting cameras in there to try and prove that recreational anglers... Oh, my God, do you think I'd remember to turn my phone off? And I've still forgotten to do it. Absolutely unbelievable. you think after this, all these podcasts, I'd actually learn to do it, but no, nah, I still don't remember. So, going back to it, because of a slight distraction there, 
And it's staying in because this is it. It's a real one. It's in one of those polished podcasts. I'm sitting here at my desk with my little fluffy thing in front of me. It's not fancy, I'll tell you. So fisheries and that MEMA, which is the Marine Estate Management Authority. Well, I'll tell you what, they're not much of authority. They put in cameras to try and prove, because marine parks aren't working in New South Wales. No, wait, they're not working in Australia. Put them in to try and prove that anglers were responsible for the reduction in fish. What a complete and utter waste of money. I honestly scratch my head sometimes with the people you're dealing with. These are the same people who put these marine parks in and promised you that there were going to be heaps of fish. Wow, they didn't work. Kingies, surely it would be better. Oh no, it hasn't worked at all. Maybe we should be managing these fisheries better rather than locking them up because it doesn't work. Putting your head in the sand, greenies? Good work. You got no bloody idea. Okay, so we've got a number of hotspots. So let's get into it because I keep I keep going back and giving it those greens and I promise I will and I will keep doing it. There's a couple of hotspots. Now, we've lost some of the best areas. So seal rocks, fish rock, we've got exclusions around. Up in the Batacoffs Harbour, there's all these beautiful islands and reefs and stuff. Yep, most of the good ones have been locked out or minimised access. But we still do, thankfully, have a few good spots. Montague Island on the south coast. 12 mile off Sydney, long reef off Sydney, you know, uh, the perch grounds off Terrigal. So we still got some good kingy grounds. What's really interesting with kings is they always, they always come back to the same spots. So if you catch fish kingies in, say, May, and you come back next May, they're generally there at the same time. And this is a beauty, and this is a really important tip, because with digital photography, we're always taking photos with our phone is that with that, we can go and check exactly when these fish were re-caught. Now, what's really interesting there is you might think, oh, yeah, I caught them in June. But when you go and check your photos, you end up discovering it's August. So for me, for kingy fishing, that plays a vital role. So we know certain reefs produce best at certain times. So that is a secret little tip. So, yeah, so kingy spots aren't hidden. Everyone knows where they are. They're, they're a structure-oriented fish. They turn up the same spots. I'm still using GPS marks from 10 years ago and still catching the kings in the exact same spots. Like, not even close, in the exact same spots. So it says a lot about them, doesn't it, that they keep going back to the exact same leaps. They love a bit of current. If there's something else I want to add to it, no run, no fun. Kingies love current. When there's no current, man, do they shut down. They just don't like it. So, yeah, it's one of those things that you always have some current. So going back to the spots. So New South Wales, you've got Green Cape down south. You've got Montegueulies. In Victoria, you've got Wilson's Prom, which we covered in the early one, Kings and Deer. You've got Western Victoria. You catch them in their heads now and even up into the Yarra River they've been seen. And there's a video floating around on YouTube, which I mentioned in that Kings and Deer podcast, that Chris Beatty from Complete Angler Melbourne shared so if you ever want to see it jump on his page complete angler melbourne and you'll see it but yeah absolutely amazing to think king is way up there western victoria as well then in south australia you've got them out around greenlee and rocky islet and of course you've got them in uh in coffin bay there and right up into into the bay up the top and all through that area is really good numbers aren't as good as they used to be uh, it's sort of dropped down a bit because they've killed a few, but I think there's been a bit of tagging now and there is a definite change to look after them because especially with those big fish, you've got to let them go. And I will go into that 
why it is so vital. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not about not killing fish. You can kill them and eat them so long as you're eating them. But with big kings, they're too good to catch once. So you have to let them go. Now, when it comes to kingies management, we probably have to go into a couple of interesting elements here. In New South Wales, recreational anglers are limited to five fish. So they're quoted. Commercial fisheries, the same ones that buggered it, have no quota. So they can catch as many kingies as they want. And I've seen it down at places like Bermagui where fish have come in and they're not even being looked after. They're not even on ice. They're not even gutted or gilled. You've got to bleed these fish because they're good sashimi. But if you don't look after them, what a waste. And for me, commercial fisheries need to all be about quality, not quantity. And with kingies, when they bite, they go bananas and it just wrecks it for everyone. You know, they fill the boat with them, they send it to market and they get a dollar a kilo. What a complete waste of an amazingly good fish, a good eating fish. And to me, I sit there going, let's make it a quality fishery and look after it. Manage what you catch and then sell it at a premium dollar. This is good business. So, and it's not happening. I mean, we had a classic example at Port Stephens. Now, Port Stephens is on the New South Wales, sort of a couple of hours north of Sydney. It's a beautiful place and it got destroyed with marine parks. In fact, they had these draconian marine parks officers going around booking families, anyone that went near a, you know, near a sanctuary zone, which became these, they became Hitler-like, you know, it was real Nazi operation up there. And they would, they'd literally chase you down, jump on your boats. And even I heard stories where they'd jump on your boat to inspect and then you'd drift into the air and then they'd try and book you. Like it was just, yeah, beyond absolute all recall. And as I've said before, they put a sanctuary zone around the boat ramp and then we'd target people at Christmas. $500 fines, not to mention locking up some of the best kingy spots. But because they've got such a good rapport up there, they set up a fish farm inside the marine park. So you can do that. You're not allowed to fish anywhere. You know, they lock you out of everything. But you can put a fish farm that's intensive farming, aquatic farming in an area. And then can you believe it that all the fish broke out? So the nets got destroyed. All the fish got out. So the wrecks go in and start trying to catch a few fish. And, you know, there were millions in there. And guess what? They got banned. Banned from catching fish that have escaped. So if you find a $10 note in the road, it's yours. Finders keepers? No, not with fish. And worse still, they then banned the recreationals, put an exclusion zone in, and then allowed the commercials in to go and catch them. Well, Mima, you guys, Marine Estate Management Authority, as they call themselves, I think it is, what a joke. New South Wales Fisheries, seriously, pull your head in and sort this out. You got quota on the wrecks, no quota on the commercials, and I'm not against commercials, don't get me wrong. I just want it to be about improving fisheries, not not about just about numbers. It's not a numbers game. We make fisheries good. You look at longlining. What a great system it is now. The bycatch is almost gone. The fish they catch are worth a heap, and they don't catch a lot of fish. Compare that to, say, persaining to fill the tunas, to fill the lacan tuna. What a joke. What an absolute joke. And then you got companies like Greenpeace and all that getting into bed with all the can tuna operators and giving the longliners a hard time. Man, and here I go. I'm going off on a tangent. Rightio, back to it. So, up current side, that's always a hot spot. Water temperature can vary a bit, but they do really like that 18 to 20 degrees is really good. Clean water is is great, but it's not essential for kings. They do not need really hot, 
clean, so they do not really need super clean water. Although, you know what? When I'm doing my underwater photography, I want it. I want it heaps. I love it when it's nice and clean. But that's just part of the game. But they are largely a side hunter, so cleaner water is better. Let's just put it down. Cleaner water will go that way. Now, when it comes to techniques, the great thing about kings, because you catch them inshore, is you can catch them doing just about anything. So you can fly fish for them. You can catch them jigging. You can catch them on top water, live baiting, dead baits, trolling, you name it. But for the purpose of this podcast, I think I'm going to focus on a couple of techniques. Now, trolling, that's the easiest and probably it's not really that productive in a lot of areas, to be honest. So if you're trolling, and that's talking artificials, you know, like laser pros are really good, deep diving lures, you know, crazy deeps, all that sort of stuff can work really well. And even trolling poppers works quite good. But it's not a great way to catch big fish. It's a good way to catch school fish. But what it is really good for is covering ground. So you can have your sounder going, looking at the bottom, looking at the area, covering the ground, couple of lures out the back. And I remember Mick Lyons catching. So Mick Lyons used to run Alley Hunter Charters out of Sydney. He's now farming these days. So he's given up, given up kingies and gone to cattle. I'm not sure if that's a good idea, Mick. And... He caught a 26 kilo king at North Head. So that's just at North Head off Sydney, right at the entrance to Sydney Harbour. 26 kilos trolling around the headland. So you definitely catch some big fish trolling. So what I like to do when I'm trolling is run a shallow d- diver and a deep diver. And, you know, even a poltergeist or something like that, those halcos that dive down or a crazy deep or something that get right down deep. And then a shallow running, you know, like a laser pro or... Yeah, Laser Pro 120, those sort of things. Depends on the size of fish you're chasing. And then a popper out the back. So mix it up and it allows you to cover ground. And that's probably a very stock standard style of trolling anywhere. And, you know, yeah, look, try it and see what happens. But if you want to be serious about catching kings, bait fishing or live baiting is unreal. Top water with um, poppers and stick baits is amazing. And jigging. So what are we going to next? Let's go straight into live baiting. Inshore, around places like Sydney, so most of New South Wales, Victoria's similar, South Australia's very similar, New Zealand is very similar, but they don't get them up as the shallows. So we get a lot of fish in New South Wales right up in the shallows. I'm talking three, four metres. So one of the best ways to catch them, and probably my favourite, is to slow troll live baits. Now, we've got slimy mackerel, you can use yakas, live squid are deadly, garfish, needlefish as they call them for some people, you can't really troll them. But yeah, probably the best baits for trolling are squid, yakas and slimies. So what we run is circle hook on the nose, uh, VMC 70-ish, inline circle, um, depending on the size of the fish is how heavy your leader is. So for us in New South Wales, I run 100 pounds. No mucking around, 100 pound suffix fluoro, that's it. And even on bigger fish, I'd bump it up to 150. And even then, I still get smashed up. And then we run a bridle on the nose. So with slimies, they tow really well. But with yakas, they tow for a while and then they tire and then they, they die. So your best one is your slimy mackerel. Squid die a lot quicker, but they will last a while. And for them, I use a padnostus, uh, sorry, for them, I use a. Now, for squid, I run two hooks. So the top one snailed on the line 
is double circles, I should say again, is your toe point, and the second one sits down around the head somewhere because quite often kingies will bite the head off a squid. So that's just something to bear in mind. Whilst with the baits, as in the yakas and slimies and, you know, small salmon, whatever you're using, is it's just bridled, straight on, hooked over the nose and toed. And that seems to be the best way to not only keep the bait alive, but also to give you a best hookup because you don't want that hook in around, in through the nose or something like that because then when it tries to roll over because the way a circle hook works is you can't get it to lock in and lock on that corner of the jaw. So it's really important that you leave it free to get it to lock in. So with the, once you've got your baits, we slow troll the headlands, the inshore reefs, all the spots you know that there are kings. And the whole time I'm watching the sounder, the whole time, nonstop, I'm looking for bait and I'm looking for kings, I'm looking for any signs that are there. And it's it's interesting, you know, the minute you get a hook up, drive straight to sea. Get out of, if you're up in the shallows, get out of that shallow water. Or the new trick we've been trying, and I'll go through this a bit, is when you hook up, drive in between them and the shore. So once you've got the kingy, if you go inside it, and this is fraught with danger, and with my good old Merc, you're playing with fire a bit because you're driving in amongst the rocks and you want to put, that will help push the fish out. But I'm going to go more into the techniques later on. So yeah, we slow troll along, but at the same time, and this is an important trick, always have a popper ready. Popper or stick bait, and while you're slow trolling around, you're casting it out. It is amazing how many fish you catch just blind casting. Just sitting there casting away, and you'll blind cast, and you will catch fish. But what it does on top of that, it gets the fish excited. So suddenly you get a couple of shots on the popper, what happens next? bang, your liveys go off. And with my rigs, what I should also explain is a lot of guys use downriggers. I don't. I prefer to run a breakaway sinker on one, which sinks down, and then a flat line, which the other one sits up on the top. And quite often, my biggest fish come from the flat line. So flat line's just a line down, straight down to the hook with nothing more than a swivel, one of those little halco swivels in there, and that's it. And that catches most of my big fish. It is deadly with a slimy on it. So the second one, we have a sinker on it, which, you know, depending on the depth you're in, six, eight ounce, depending on what it is, varies. But I like that because the reason being, if you use a downrigger and I mark bait, I pull the boat out of gear. So the baits just sit there. So you're in the strike zone for as long as possible. If I've got a downrigger and I'm running a slimy, what's that slimy do? He swims straight past the downrigger because he's crapping himself because the kings are chasing him. So we've had it where they've wrapped us up a lot. So as a result, if you've, you're running a downrigger, you can't stop. You have to keep going forward. For me, I like to sit on the bait. I'll even stop and drift over it if there's a bit of current to keep my baits right on top of the bait because that's where you're going to get the bites. Another point worth mentioning is I do not leave the rods in the rod holder. I make the crew hold them, fingers on it, ready to go. Now with the top rod, so the flat line is easy because bang, you hook up, you can let go, let it go a bit, clip it over, you're on. With the one with the sinker on it, you have to be a little bit more on the job. So as soon as the fish picks it up, flicks it out of your hand, you free spool, but you've got to cut the spool at the same time and hold it and let it feather it out. And because what I think happens, and this is only my theory, is that the line... As the fish swims away, the line catches in the corner, but the sinker pulls down, so it pulls down on the corner of mouth as opposed to pulling back, and the fish drop it. And they do it all the time. 
And that's worth probably another point. So when you miss a fish, instantly open the bale again and, and hold the spool. Be ready for a second bite. It is not the same fish swimming back. What it is, is his mate trying to eat it. So everyone goes, oh yeah, he's back. No, he's not. His mate's trying to eat it because they will be chasing him as he's trying to swim off and he's trying to eat it. They're trying to steal it off him. So if you miss one, no problem. Just stop, open the bale, hold it, and you'll get the second shot. But you've got to be quick on it. And of course, it's circle looks. Do not strike. If you want to go through it all, listen to my one about marlin fishing, my podcast about marlin fishing. I'll reiterate it again. If you get a bite, let it run, flick the bale I'm over on the good old Stella or, you know, the Talica or whatever you're using, and you're on. Do not strike. And the other reason that I should actually add to that is why I use circles and not J-hooks is because, A, it's better for the fish because I like letting the big ones go. And B, because with a J-hook, I don't know where it's hooked. I'm putting a lot of pressure on this fish. We pull hooks a lot with J's, you know, and they rip up a lot. With a circle hooked in the corner of mouth, he's mine, unless he drills me in the reef. So the basic technique there is... You've got your two baits out. Generally, I like tiny fish too. You've got spare baits, troll on, flicking the popper out, and you're doing all your spots. And keep moving. And keep watching the sound. Go from spot to spot to spot. Now, if you're fishing deeper water where you can't surface troll, it's drifting. And this is where jigging comes into it as well. And this is pretty much, for me, from about 30 metres, 40 metres onwards, we jig. And live bait. So the live bait rig changes from just 100 pounds straight up to swivel on domain line and it becomes a shorter leader to the swivel. And I'm talking down to 20, 30 centimetres long. But then the sinker is attached on a dropper up to a metre long, which keeps the bait off the bottom. And you want that short leader because the bait's going to swim around. So if it's a longer leader, he's going to swim around, tangle it up. And instead of trolling it, what we do is we drive up, mark the bait, work out the drift, go up above the bait, drop the baits down to the bottom, wind them up off the bottom to hopefully the depth we're marking the fish because your sound is vital all the way through with kingy fishing. It's all about the sound. Wind it up and then it's the same technique, holding it in your finger. As soon as you get a bite, feather it and you're on. But you can also jig. And what we found works really well is to mix it up. You have a bait and a jig. In fact, my old mate Scotty Thorrington at Runs Haven Charters goes one step further, and instead of using a sinker, he puts a jig as the weight. So he's got his livey on there and a jig with no hooks on it. Don't worry, he doesn't put hooks on it. And he jigs. So when when it's going down, it's flashing and carrying on. It's actually a jig going down there as opposed to just a dirty old sinker. And it works a treat. So that's another trick. Sorry, Scotty, I've just let out the bag for you there. Now... Jigging at the same time. So jigging, you've got, like, God, there's so many jigs out there. You've got, you know, slow jigs, bigger jigs, smaller jigs, micro jigging, which is all the rage these days. There's a whole bunch of it. Change it up, swap it around. Look, I like the smaller jigs. They're good, lighter outfit. They're not as good on big kings. But in deeper water, you can land those bigger kings. The style of jig, each to their own. Really, there are so many different types and kingfish just seem to continually chop and change what they're doing. They change their mind more than women do. Oh, I'm going to get nailed for that one. But it's true. They do change their mind. They love pink one day. The next day, it's blue. They like, you know, a a butterfly jig one day. They like a thinner, you know, jig the next day. So experiment. Try it. 
And then it comes down to action. What action do you want to try? Mate, you can try anything. Fast. Sometimes it looks like people, yeah, it, it can come, it can go in a number of ways the way that people do it. But for me, short, stop, start, get up and use, and this is the important part for Gene. Once you get up, don't do it all the way to the surface. Do it till you think you're above where the fish are feeding or where they're marking the sound and stop, put it back down. Stay in that strike zone as long as you can. Do not wind it all the way to the top and then comes flying out of the water because you're wasting all that time. You've got to have that jig in the strike zone. And it's interesting too. It goes back to these kingfish having a mind of their own or being indecisive, I think is a better word for it. Some days the jig works the treat. Other days it's all live bait. And for the life of me, I cannot work out why a jig will outfish a live bait one day and then the other day it swaps. But that's where it's really important with that variety. And most importantly, is use a sounder to find the bait or the fish. Kings mark up really well. A good sounder like my Furuno 295, you mark the kings on the edge of the bait really well. So you know what side of the bait they're on. Secondly, make sure the drift is right. So when you, you pull up, you mark the fish, look at your drift, but zoom right in, on, or in my case on the nav net or on your GPS, whatever you're running, and look at it and go, right, there's my line. That's where the fish are there. Mark it as a waypoint if you want. Then get up and do a drift down. Get your line straight. Work it so you go over the spot. And then each time, and you have tracking on so you can see each time you drift. And each time you get bites, make a mark of where it is. So you get a picture of where these fish are sitting. And they move around a lot too. The other thing is, particularly if there's a bit of current, is have all the gear ready to go. So as soon as you pull into position to start your drift, right boys, gear down. The gear's going straight down. Don't have it where they you pull into position. Oh, right. Well, I'll just get my live bait on. I'll just have a coffee. I'll just um, tie a new jig on. And then when they go to put the gear down, you pass the spot. So that's where communication plays a really, really important role. Everyone, this is what you need to do. You need to be doing this, 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 this. Right, bang. I got you excited now, haven't I? But it is. And the captain should be barking orders at that because that's how you catch fish. And particularly, too, if you get one on the jig or one on the bait... Keep the other rod down. Don't wind it up unless you've got a really big fish on. Keep the other one down and try and turn a single into a double. So, we've done inshore live baiting, touched on poppers, offshore, we've talked about jigging and live baiting, which are a great mix together. And that can be out, I should say, right out to, you know, in some areas, 100 fathoms. So, north coast of New South Wales, there's lots of kingies. It's quite interesting. North of, say, Port Stephens, which is two hours north of Sydney, you get kings right out to the continental shelf. South of Sydney, or Sydney to the south, the deepest water is 70 fathoms, or 60 fathoms. It's 120 metres, so not even halfway out. It's bizarre. I don't know why. And down further south, they're all inshore. Now, when it comes to catching fish, or catching kingies, I should say, in deep water, what I've got is a special guest. Coops McGlashan, because Coops, you caught your biggest kingy. I'm talking about how you fish deeper water, you know, the Padnoster Reef, you drift across, you've got to get your drift right. Just run me through catching your first metre kingfish. Well, we, it was a pretty rough day. We weren't really going too hard. It was raining, there was no boats. Hang on, whoa, whoa, we weren't going hard? Mate, it was pouring, well, it was rain, pouring, it was squall. We were going you bloody got, hard. You, know, you guys were in the cabin hiding. While yeah. I was out there trying to catch the fish. So, look, we'll run us through it. So, you know how you, you pull up 
and you get your drift right, you look at it, you set it up. I mean, we had squalls and it was yeah. pretty hardcore. But you drop the bait down, wind up a bit off the bottom, hold it with your finger, just run through it for us. Well, we'd done exactly what you just said and we were sitting there and you get that first few just taps on it and then just all of a sudden, boom, rips out of your hand, out of your finger, sorry, and just starts running down deep and just taking line as it goes. Yeah, so you're cupping the spool for that yeah. second, aren't you? He's trying to hold yeah. it down so it stops and you can pull its head up. And then as soon as you get its head up, I mean, pretty much nearly game over for it. You just get that head up, wind it straight to the boat, and they, then they start jumping <laughs> most of the time. You know kingfish don't jump. Some do. No, they don't. They never jump. You're thinking marlin, yes. <laughs> Cut there for one sec. All righty. So you put your bait on the bottom, you wind it up a bit, and then you put your finger on it because you've got a circle cool. Yeah. And you hold it just above the bottom, don't you? Yeah, because um, kingies usually sit on the bottom unless they're on bait or something like feeding. And Okay, so you drop the bait to the bottom. Now you wind it up a bit, don't you? Yeah. So wind it up a bit so it doesn't get caught on the reef or anything and... Also, when the kingies grab it, they'll run straight down to the bottom. And as soon as you get they get somewhere near a reef or a bit of coral or something, you're gone. They'll chafe you up and just rip you out straight away. So tell me about what's the feeling when you get... So you've wound up off the bottom, you drift across the reef on this kingie you caught on that nice metery. And then what happens is you get like light taps or it's just a thump or they just nail it. it. No, they, they give it a few tries at first, you know, just a bit few taps pretty hard taps mind you so it's solid eh yeah it's you can instantly tell when they go for it and then once they grab it they grab it they aren't letting go and then they, then it's game on the circle hooks in so what's your technique or especially with that kingy for you because you, you worked a while to catch a meter kingy how good was it it was awesome getting it it was especially how hard we'd been working that day just actually catch a kingy. It was awesome to feel that solid thump as I hooked it there. It was because it's a dark, gloomy day and it's yeah, just... Yeah, and even on that, because we've got it on... Now, for anyone that wants to watch, it's on Instagram. We'll put it on Instagram TV. That's what we'll do. I'll put it on Instagram TV, him catches kingy. It was terrible weather. But we got it up to the boat. You did a good job, I'll admit that. Even as your dad, I'll give you credit. <laughs> and we got it up, and what did you do? You tagged it. Yes, always. We've got a rule in this family that any kingy over a metre, tagged. And that was pretty cool. What was the feeling like when you, you know, put the tag in and then let it go? felt awesome. Killing a fish like that is like, it's indecency. You just don't do something indecency, like that. Indecency, I like that. I don't know if that's <laughs> the right word I'd use for it, but I like it. But exactly that. And you let them go because they're too good. Now, how long did your fish last? Because it got recaptured I think was it the next day uh, next week or something yeah Two and weeks. then that day we actually recaptured no the following day we caught a fish from someone else's and all these big kings so it says a couple of things one if you let it go someone else can catch it as well yeah. and if they one if you let it go then they can catch it and someone else one is if you let it go then someone else can catch it then someone else can catch it and it's great and they're tough and you know what the best thing is the big fish breed the best, so they just pump yes, out those do. little babies, little mini kings, so there's more and more kings. Mm. So what would you offer for anyone that was going king fishing? Because this whole podcast is about catching kings. What would you say that you need to do to catch kings? 
well, probably squid would be the best bait to use. Get the tail off it or a tentacle or something, and the kingies will go mad on it. Fresh squid, that is, yeah. like the caught. You yeah. have to catch it on the day. So wake up an hour early or something, get out there and oh, two oh, hours. Yeah, two hours early for us, mate. You know how good we are at squid fishing. You're only slightly better than I am, and I'm atrocious. Or you get your mates like Tom Eisenhammer to go out early, who loves getting up early. He can go and catch your squid. We pull up yeah, and get, get, a, get a servant it. to do it for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's <laughs> the way to do it. Bloody beautiful. So then, just in closing, what would you say when you hook a king, what do you do? Well, put your fingers on the spool instantly. Not too hard, just Lock cup it. Lock it up, you say. Yeah, cup it a bit so it stops it. The, the more pressure you put on it, the more strength putting the hook, but it gets that head to be lifted. And as soon as it get, lifts the head, it's got nearly no chance of getting down to that reef. Well, that's a good call because the king, he can't swim backwards. So if no. you get his head up, he can only swim forward. Yeah, and then that's less work for you. I like that. I like the way you think. You're definitely a McGlasher. <laughs> and I have to say, sitting there and watching your son catch a big kingy and letting it go is just awesome. You know, for me, the more I fish, the more I love doing it, but the more I love sharing that experience. And he sat out there. He didn't say it as much, but he sat out there in the worst possible weather, copping it sweet, and then was rewarded with a big king. But you know what? Even better, he let it go. And I'll get into a bit of that catch and release because it was very interesting what he'd said about it too, that the fish was recaptured a few days later. And yeah, it's something we need to look at. But first, we still got to look at catch them. So now we've covered inshore live baiting, slow trolling, offshore drifting with live baits and jigging, which does really work. And it, obviously when you're fighting them, you've got, as Coop said, in deeper water, just crank them straight up because you can't drive off them like you do in shallow water. Now, the best way, in my view, to catch kings is top water. So kingies are a demersal species, which means they live on the bottom or live near the bottom. But you know what? They feed a lot on the surface still. They're still a pelagic predator at the end of the day, so it kind of doesn't make sense. They're demersal with pelagic, so they, they move between the two. And catching them when they're feeding on top is the most exciting thing. So in Sydney Harbour, kings on top are regularly feeding on small bait. So you can drive around, and even right now, probably right underneath the Sydney Arbour Bridge, there'll be a school of kings up on top, breezing and splashing. So when it comes to finding them on top, quite often they don't have a lot of birds on them because kings swallow the bait. So Bonito, Taylor or Bluefish, which they call them the US, tuna, when they eat, they're messy, so there's lots of leftovers, so you get a lot of birds. Kingfish swallow it whole, so they don't get a lot of leftovers. So when you're looking for these schools on top, it's quite often you'll see them just breezing. And that's just a slight disturbance in the water. And you go over and it's all full of kings. It's quite amazing. We're talking about this now when we did from kingies to deer, is that the kingfish, you just see that slight difference, drive over, cast some poppers in, boom, you're on. It's the same in New South Wales. In fact, the same everywhere they go. New Zealand, I suspect, I haven't fished from over in Mexico or Japan or South Africa, but I suspect it's very, very similar. You spot that slight difference on the surface and then you drive over and do it. Now, in Sydney Harbour, we get a lot of kings. When they're going, they're everywhere. So when they're up on top, what you want to do is quite often they're feeding on little tiny bait fish called eyes, which are tiny. So you've got to use smaller soft plastic, smaller poppers on lighter gear. And quite often, because they're boat shy, you have to cast. So you've got to get around in front of these fish. 
You can't just drive up and cast. You've got to get round upwind. So when you cast, you use the wind to your advantage and cast downwind, getting onto the fish. I had to think about that for a minute. And this is really important. So cast, get it down over the top of them. The more distance you get, the more chance you're going to get a shot and then work it through the school. Now, on top of that, you don't just drive in and go, oh, I'm upwind cast. Look at which way the school's going. Try and read the school and get where the most competition is. And by that, I mean right at the head of that school where all the commotion is because the more fish that are fighting over each other to get to the bait because they're all hungry, there's less of a chance that they'll be looking or questioning your you're offering your lure or your plastic or your fly. So the more fish that are competing, the more chance you've got to bite. So that plays, or I should say, that's a real strategy that you need to do. You don't just look at it and go, oh, yeah, that should be all right. You go, no, no, right, they're there, bang, got to cast this way to get on top, work it through. So accurate casting, longer distance casting, so light outfits that are comfortable to cast, get in front of them because there's kings we normally catch the smaller ones but it's the same with bigger fish too you know when you're casting those really big kings you're using heavier gear bigger stick baits and all that so you can do two styles you can do blind fishing where you just drift along and fish and hope they come up which works really well on stick baits but i've done unreal on poppers as well for it or you can cast a bigger fish to the surface feeding which generally will be a lot more aggressive and smash it now i've seen them on souries I've seen them on garfish, seen them work around heads of bait schools. So when you get schools of salmon or yakkers milling around on top, even slimies, you drive up and cast around the edge and work around the edge because the kings are just sitting there on the edge. I do a lot of underwater photography, obviously. And when I've jumped in on these bait schools, there's big kings shadowing them. So suddenly when you cast a stick bait across the top and not in the school, on the edge of the school, it looks like a wounded bait fish. It stands out. So they come up and crash it. Most exciting stuff, I tell you. It is so much fun. So the one thing I can really, really highlight, or I have to say, is that when you're chasing kings on top, is you've got to have... No, you know what? This is for all types of kingy fishing, all fishing. You've got to have all the gear ready to go. So you have your stick baits, your popper rods, all lined up, rigged and ready to go, because these fish pop up anywhere. And trust me, you do not drive over and head out and then go, oh, I'm just put a, just going to put a, you know, a rooster popper on. I'm going to get ready. You do that, I guarantee fish will pop up everywhere around you. So have all your gear ready to go beforehand. Early morning's a really good time to chase the fish on top, especially the big ones. So get up early and be out casting over around, you know, you, you know in Kingy Hort, like Long Reef Hall, you know, Montague Island, probably not as good down there. Generally, the inshore spots, without working. Anywhere there's bait schools. If you find bait, you will find predators, and it's a prime spot to be casting around. So you're always looking. Even when you're blind fishing, if you see a boil or you see patch of bonito or you see a bit of bait rippling, cast beside it. We do this a lot with GTs for Giant Trevally up north. When you find the, or, you know, the bait up and rippling on the top, breezing on top, cast around the edges, bang, you're straight on. It's just, yeah, so it's very much being observant at all times and working it back. And we've had quite interesting, like I've done quite well on big stick baits in New, New South Wales. In fact, my biggest fish, which was 1.3 long and, I don't know, 18 kilos, was caught stick baiting. But this is the important thing. 
we had a mobile bombie. Now, a mobile bombie is the same as what you get with GTs, where they're all together, which is normally a schooling or a breeding aggregation. And when they're aggregating like that, bang, it's prime. But again, goes back to us saying, you've got to have all that gear ready to go. You don't want to go, look, there's a mobile bombie over there. Let me just rig up and get my gear ready. Ten minutes later, you're like, ah, no, nothing. It's all gone. That's why it's all about getting your gear rigged and ready beforehand. Press down the barbs too. When you're fishing for kings, you don't need barbs. I mean, a lot of the guys are running singles, but yeah, you want it sorted. You've got to have it done. So it's all ready to go, straight onto it. This is it, you know, prioritize, I'm telling you. It's little tips like this that play a big role. And secondly, too, when you're working a popper, which is a stop-start style, you want to roll it when you're using a stick bait. So it's a different style of retrieve, and you've got to have all these down pat before you start chasing kings. When you do hook up, and this is for all inshore fishing, as I touched on briefly earlier on, is get on that fish. He's going to try and bury you in the reef as quick as he can. So we used to have a technique where... So so we used to have a technique, so where as soon as you hook up, drive straight to sea. What I do now, if I can do it, as soon as I hook up, I drive inshore and try and push the fish out. We had an amazing day there earlier this year, blinder of a day, catching kings. And what they do is they'd all race into the bommie to try and cut us off. We'd drive in over the top of the bommie and push them, like literally physically push them with the prop wash back out and then they'd swim out to sea. And we got every single fish. But it does take some pretty pretty hair-raising driving when you're working it out, but it works a treat. So don't always drive straight to sea. If you can cut that fish off and put the pressure inside, because it's, it's like a dog on a lead. If you pull one way, he'll go the other way. So if you pull out to sea, he's going to swim inshore to the reef. Makes a lot of sense. But if you drive inshore and pull on him that way, he's going to drive straight out to sea. It sounds easy, but in reality, it can be really, it can be bloody hard to do, to be honest with you. You know, it's a tough one. But when you get it and you get it right, it works a treat. Once you get those kingies out into deeper water, ease off a bit on the pressure. So if you're out into, you know, deeper water, you're getting them up, go softer because you put a lot of strain on all your gear. Like even with a Stella and stuff, you can put a lot of drag on a Shimano Stella. So you're putting a lot of pressure on that fish is you want to ease up as you go out, as you're getting him up, because you don't know where the hook is, you don't know what he's done to the leader, he might have chafed you over the top of, you know, over the rocks and stuff like that, you know, you don't know. So once you're out of the danger zone, just go a bit lighter on him, and when you get him up towards the boat, what we want to do is really have a look and see where that hook is. So you go, oh yeah, he's hooked really well, or no, he's not hooked well, oh, we've got to go a bit lighter on him here. So judge it, and for the angler, it's all about put pressure on when you need to and take it off when you need to as well. And, you know, you can get, you you don't lose as many fish. You still don't get them all, but you can do it where you start catching them. And for us now, we get a majority of the fish. We don't lose them. It's partially because of tackle, but it's also when the team's working well together. So that brings me to the final part. You got that kingy at the boat. And I tell you what, do you let it go or do you keep it? Now, I eat a lot of kingfish. I eat them, God, all the time, and they're absolutely magnificent. But ever since I did that sat tagging, or sorry, acoustic tagging, it's been a real concern to me how many big fish 
we're killing. I thought there were lots more, but when the tagging results came in that nearly all the big fish were being recaptured, that's alarm bells. We can't rely on fisheries because they don't do anything. They don't get off their ass. They don't want to help. Instead, it's up to it's up to anglers to wreck anglers and commercial too. You guys are part of this to step up to the plate and do the right thing because we don't want sustainable fisheries. We want to enhance it so it's even better. And do you know what? We're the true custodians of the water. We're the ones that actually go out because you know what? Hardly anyone fisheries actually go fishing. They don't give a damn. So we need to do it. So we need to step up to the plate and let them go. And that's why, like Coops was saying earlier on, on my boat, we release all the meter kings. Everyone, we let them all go because they're too important. You could, you wouldn't kill a meter flathead. And in Australia, a flathead's like a big catfish. And if it's a meter long, they'd let them go. In the old days, we used to kill them. It's about educating and, you know, evolving to be better and looking after our fishery. I want lots of big kings in Australia. So we need to start letting them go. And it's been alarming. Now, we had one day fishing on one of the inshore reefs off Sydney where we caught, we tagged, I think, seven fish over a metre. And then we caught a fish that had been tagged, which uh, one of the charter boats had released. And then they caught one of our fish that we'd released the very next day. And they caught a fish that one of the other charter boats had caught. So it just shows you how many of these big kings are actually being recaptured. So if everyone took them out, and bear in mind, in New South Wales, we're allowed to take five fish eats. Imagine if you had five metre kingfish. That's five metres. That's probably 50, 60 kilos of kingfish that's gone. Never to be seen again. What an absolute, what an absolute disgrace. How can people do that? So incredibly frustrating for me. So for me, we'd let them go. And the great thing about kings is they're tough as nails. They live through it. They're a perfect fish for catch and release. So for me, let's let them go and don't say no to eating them. They're beautiful. Keep a couple 80 centimetre fish to eat. Let the big ones go because you know what? If there's one fish I love catching again and again and again, it's a kingy. Absolutely love it. Take a small one home, but keep the big ones so you can keep catching them. So that's it for me. I'm going fishing because I've got a date with a kingfish. I've actually fired myself up. I've got to go kingy fishing. And of course, as I keep saying, keep sending those messages in. Tell me what you want. You ask for kingies, I've given you. If you want more on kingies, tell me and I'll do more. If you want other species, you know, you want more on bluefin or swordfish or more on hunting or underwater photography, you tell me what you want and I'll talk about it. As for now, I'm going fishing. Thanks for listening. Fishing is my life. It's in my DNA. From above the water and below the surface. It's who I am. Join me as I travel the world in search of the most insane fishing experiences on the planet. You got it. Oh, yeah. Big fish right there, Al. Yeah, baby. The size of it. 
Come on. Oh, what the hell is that?